This episode is part of the series Know Your Candidates. Conversations with the candidates for the election of 2019 in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts. Radio Plasma does not support or oppose any candidate for public office. This is a nonpartisan, independent media outlet dedicated to promoting a peace culture, embracing diversity, sharings of opinions and ideas, and ensure all voices are represented in our media. This is Radio Plasma, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Welcome to our series, Know Your Candidates, conversations with the candidates to Holyoke City Council in the municipal election of November 5th of 2019 in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts. I'm Johan Rashivega, and our guest is Gladys Lebron Martinez, city councilor for Ward 1. Welcome, Gladys, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Johan, for the invitation, and I appreciate your accommodating timing to make this happen. It's all about... Exactly, finding the time and the opportunity to have these conversations, and I appreciate that you're here, especially because even though you're running uncontested for this municipal election, you are here, and it's important that we all get the opportunity to know a little bit of what has been the work for this past two years, what are the plans for the new term, where you will be two more years as an incumbent for Ward 1, as a representative in City Council, especially when Ward 1 has been getting a lot of attention in different aspects. And I know that the work has been intense for the past months. So let's take a moment to talk a little bit about that and what are the plans and your priorities for this new term with all the challenges that the city and World One are facing currently in the social and political environment. Let's start with maybe summarizing a little bit of what have been the most standing out issues or accomplishments during the past two years. Okay. Um, so, Johan, let me, I like to always kind of give a little bit of, of the kind of work that it really uh, embeds in my neighborhood, in other words. But I also want to say that um, I've been, I consider myself someone who's also been at large because I get calls also and I support anyone who comes to me. So I want that to be cleared and understood. But um, work that I've been, I can say, doing is education. Uh, education, as you know, I come back from having been uh, serving on the school board and my first uh, ever political role was uh, in that role. So my connection within the neighborhood or communities so has always been about the education of the children. So it still kind of kind of comes together with the quality of life issues that then I address through you know the neighborhoods in a way. Um, so education is always going to be as part of my platform in, in, in response to the people because, uh, as you know, education, it is the way to open doors in many ways when it comes to workforce development, um, when it comes to children attending school, uh, higher education and, and then coming back and becoming the leaders or giving back to their communities. And I think that to change communities that, are, you know, are impoverished, and in particular, my neighborhood, we need to have uh, assurance that our children are getting well educated. So that's going to always be my platform. 
as part of it. Um, in addition, um, making sure that that you know that uh, as we're creating opportunities here for work uh, or work development, that our people uh, are, are you know taking the op- you know first shots at these opportunities coming to to our city. And so work, workforce development, which is economic development, would always be my platform as well, and it's been. And the quality of life issues, this including uh, health disparities, issues of, in particular now, I'm interested in getting involved deeper in the opiates epidemic because when I came here in the 80s, the epidemic that was really taking over in ma- many of the poor, impoverished communities or neighborhoods was the HIV AIDS. And it, I came at the time that it was more of a prevention and also intervention. There was some infected already. Um, there's been a progress, meaning nationally, as to, you know, uh, helping individuals to to spread the, spread the uh, AIDS epidemic, but it was a lot of education about teaching individuals about um, transmitted diseases, also about the sharing of needles, in, uh, preventing those situations that would create an epidemic. Today, the opiate epidemic is really taking over our neighborhoods. People are complaining about the the uh, panhandlers and homelessness issues, and this has to do with some of that as well as mental health. But I want to make sure that we have to. This is a public health issue, and I think at a national level, you know, they're, of course, uh, suing all these pharmaceutical companies for the issues of the opi- opiates, but we as local municipal needs to take charge of this meaning that we need to, back in the 80s, there were coalitions that were done. I was part of many of these coalitions to do prevention work and to uh, get the public, and especially our young individuals. Okay, we did a lot of work. I did a lot of work with doing HIV education as well in my 80s and up to the 90s, in particular preparing our youth, just like I do today, that I'm preparing our young people become leaders or getting educated to move forward and, and also taking the torch of many of us who will be stepping down sometime, that we can take charge on this uh, situation that is affecting our neighborhoods and our communities as well. Some of the activities that having shown your presence and engagement have been lately the coalitions in the area surrounding the Holy Public Library, where concerns about the panhandling, about the needles, about homelessness, and other activities that happen as consequence of these situations. And it's been an intense way to engage with neighbors and also with agencies in the city and service providers to figure out ways to take back control of some of these areas, public areas and the streets where neighbors have been feeling affected in general for different aspects that affect the quality of life. Mm. For people who are not aware of this, what has been your involvement and so far what has been the progress with these mm-hmm. initiatives? So the panhandling, as you know, it came out, it came through the city already for an ordinance to try to uh, prevent this panhandling. But is there, there is a, a, a law in a, you know, an ordinance that restricts us. And uh, it's, it's tough because it's a, it's a population that, 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 you know, many can be either in a situation of addictions themselves, mental health, homelessness issues, and the uh, uh, council went about trying to then and using another ways of saying donate towards towards uh, organization, nonprofit organization who could serve 
these you know the population as a as a commune as a city they also came up with how do you say if you stop at the at the areas where they're panhandling to try to ticket the ones who are actually pulling up to them and whatnot to be honest with you i don't think these signs do much as we know signs and more signs people sometimes ignore that and i think it's 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 a it's a decision of the individual as a humanitarian gesture to support or see somebody you know and i am guilty of this myself like i've in they're surrounded where i work at my current day work and sometimes i walk to the corner store and they're you know i'm buying food and somebody asks me for money i said if you're hungry i'll buy you food right so i think i'm giving back in a way sort of thing so i want to go back to the question in regards to what has happened so the there was a uh, a group of individuals emailing me phone calling me two years ago i believe it's right at this point it's two years ago in concerns of this panhandling the uh, sex trafficking in particular on elm street in the corridor corridors because it's not only on elm street it crosses through uh chestnut street and and squares over to mcdonald's appleton and, and comes surrounding so i call it like a corridor and um I was approached, and let me I'll be honest with you, because I, you know, I may not be, I'm not your Facebook, I'm not your Facebook kind of type of person all the time, sharing what I'm doing or what not I'm knowing, but immediately got on and listened to the people. Um, so one of the individuals that approached me on the issue, I said, are you willing to go ahead? Let's put a petition together. You go and get signatures from the corridor, the business, the, the, the homeowners, non-homeowners, residents, anyone you want to get signatures off, and I will present it at the city council to try to do something about it. And then um, I held a meeting at the library two years ago. I held several meetings after that. And because there was already an existing coalition of the Wayfinders group that they have a coalition coming on, I just wanted at least for the people to understand that I acknowledge your request. I'm pulling that meeting that you want me to do. The, I had explained even before my personal meeting that this meeting was taking place. They wanted me to hold my meeting. I did what they asked, so just so you know they could understand. And I invited others, such as the border health. I invited DPW. I invited a whole. The uh, our chief uh, police came in. Anyone who had a role in what is being, you know, what is happening in the neighborhood. Um, because I wanted to respect the pr prior people, wayfinders putting, you know, having their group in the neighborhood, but I wanted it then to learn that there's an existing. So let me take this meeting first, bring them together, and hopefully merge them. Which is, as, you know, this is what has ended up happening. All these individuals who were participating in my meetings now attending their meetings. So from there, you know, um, there was conversations independently i don't have to put it on facebook unfortunately i don't i did have meetings with our chief i have meetings with you know individuals that have responsibilities to our neighborhood you know dpw uh, border health and so on to address some of the um alleyways issues which people were camping out on um the needle uh the the the, the needle dispersion of, of making sure that we have these areas clear from that um so from tapestry everyone who could play a role on this you know it's taking its toll one of the most pressing and desperate was more the development of the uh apartment complex which is now library it's going to be called library commons and those apartments 
would play a big role in the elimination of what is going on. Because as you know, when there's abandoned or um, deplorable neighborhoods, this is where it takes advantage of. And I can go back to the 1980s and 90s when the epidemic of HIV AIDS, people who will come here to also uh, purchase for the uh, substance abuse or for intravenous usage, this is the places that they use, places that were condemned. They became gallery shootings. They became uh, sleeping places. Um, and we also had two coalitions to kind of work on this to build it up. Um, and and the story goes on from here. But, um, again, um, quality of life issues continues to be and will be and um, to be the attention that I want to give, considering some sidewalks that need some repairing, some of them ha- that I have called on to get support for are actually in the middle of some development that they're going to take place regardless, so that's why it's taking so long. Um, some of the requests that, that has been directly from the people has been that. The most, another one that I um, want to remind, and, and it's interesting that it's coming back, um, I just, as I was doing door knocking recently for my own signatures and going out for uh, supporting the, the, the development of the uh, middle schools um, being developed, I came across individuals who are telling me who are, you know, are leaders who I have a lot of respect for, and because they may not have the proficiency in English, by uh, asking me to to what can we do like you did back in the days that um, in the school committee there was a grant with Avanza a collaboration a partnership it was called Avanza through Gustavo Acosta back in the days that we were able to translate the minutes in Spanish we were also able to translate what was being video by subtitles so people that are non English speaking can read and understand what's going on. It is uh, a certain moment when we are in need of either a vote or something to be supported on a ballot. It's when we're seeking out to these individuals. And I was myself caught off guard when that was said to me. If you know, I don't know if you noticed, but recently I started me, myself, translating what I'm saying on Facebook, trying to, anything that is related to that. I'm not going to translate things that I'm personally talking about myself, but anything that it has to do with people learning or wanting to know what is the issue right now with the schools, what is, where can you get the information, even about voting, how to vote, where to go, and stuff. I'm trying to do everything I can in Spanish so that I'm not leaving those that already called me out and they want me to bring this back to our old council, our own full council, as a fact, it, it's going to be on the agenda. I already called those orders in, um, wrote, I mean, you know, wrote, send them in. To, um, so because there is a great population, we have an 85 cent, uh, 85% of uh, students that are Spanish-speaking in our school system. doesn't mean not, not maybe them, they, they have proficiency in, in their English language, but their parents don't. Um, and, the, and the voters uh, are them as well as, you know, and I know that our schools are doing the best they can, making sure our robocalls are done in Spanish and English. They're having their materials to be done. I also sit on a co-chair for the city council and school committee that we're co-chairing myself and Dennis Burks right now. And it's been, you get assigned to a committee, and this is the second, you know, committee that I'm in. But I also was the, the chair before 
with um, our previous uh, World War II counselor in the past. So, I, I, and I'm also conscious about this, you know, I, the work that I do, you know, for, for my daily work, all my flyers are always done in Spanish and English. I says, how did I let this go by? You know, sometimes we're also emerging so much that we want to do and we get off caught off guard. But you know what? What I also kind of learned from listening through my door knocking is that you need to be checked, right? If you are, that means that if I'm doing things that are in my own personal agenda and I'm not really listening to what they're telling me, I'm not doing my work. And um, I came here to be a public servant, but a public servant, I felt that I've always been a public servant, whether I was in politics or not, because my work was about helping people who were homeless, being uh, dislocated from their homes, evicted. You know, my experience comes working at Nueva Esperanza, which is a housing development organization. During the time that this was being developed, there was not many of the social services being pro provided to the people. And I said, we cannot continue to do just, you know, brick and mortars and, and forgetting that these are human beings living in there. Um, we received grants that then help instead of uh, evicting people through, and I became the um, housing um liaison which what that meant was let's say you know situations was happening in the household where you know you was not paying rent on time instead of considering to evict you we will work out how can we better do this and you know that was my role then you know of course I moved into other things I found fundings to support um through our our, our executive director um Carlos Vegas and before him others that I I, I went out and you know uh developed a partnership with the Department of Public uh health at the state level and others to find fundings to do HIV prevention, to do health uh, insurance enrollment, to do additional support services. Then we became a human service department. I became then the director of that department as they saw that I was really going out there and meeting the needs of the individuals because as you, I was door knocking to get you to understand that rent has to be paid otherwise you get evicted. You learn that this people, not only that, it's happening. They're, they're having to choose from probably buying their meds to versus their their rent this month or buying, the, the, you know, uh, the, the amenities that are needed in, in your life. So we began to work on, on helping you, you know, and myself. These are things that I, I invented as I go because it was like every individual case could have been different. But again, this is what brought me to be in office. And again, it was not our intention. I'm not a political. People use that word. I'm not a political. The reason I say that is because I'm not the most vocal when I sit at the ordinance, um, at the city council, I mean. But I, I know to listen to people. I know to find ways, you know, I don't have to publicize it, I don't have to come back. I can, there's certain things we have to do that we don't even have to go in front of the council, such as calling your, your DPW to say there's trash on such and such a street, can you come and pick it up? Can you, uh, I just saw a, I just saw a pot, uh, pothole, I can show you, I send texts and emails or things that I see down to DPW and graciously to Michael, um, who, McManus, that he picks up on it immediately. I saw, let's say, I saw a mattress on such and such a street. Can somebody pick it up? Um, 
in uh, things that, you know, that, that are quality. It's something that is so simple. I don't have to wait for counsel for me to say that this has to be done because there's certain things that they have to do regardless that I don't have to wait for an order. Um, you know, if I have issues about education, I think I have a good relationship with uh, the, the superintendent and, um, and he, you know, I will share things. And I also, it's, it's more to complement and support the work uh, at times, um, working closely to support ways of of, uh, of better um, opportunities for our students. Um, so, I mean, I feel like if there's anyone out there that feels that I could do even more, that's what I wait for. Call me, email me. I have people come to my step of my house. My, you know, it's I don't have an office, so that's my office. Um, but I'm open, you know, Johan, and you know me. I, I, I mean, I'm not hoping that people who are listening and will listen to this, that I'm open, you know. There's times that people, you know, one of the things that I am starting to do a little bit more on education, and I would love to see how we can continue to do more of this using your means um, for the purpose that people are desperate um, at times of things going on. For example, um, someone will call and ask me, Gladys, you know, we need more lighting on this such a street. And I want to start educating people how you can do this, right? Sometimes it's it's just because I want them to understand there's a process. So, example, let's say they want a handicap sign. I cannot make that decision. I have to file an order. That handicap sign then goes into the ordinance committee, and the, the disability commission also gets a copy. They're ones who decide it. So let's say I got the call yesterday. They're having an expectation that because I tell them that I'm filing the order, which I do tell them, this is going to take several weeks or maybe months before you hear about it. Some people expect immediately, like, turn around, right? So I'm hoping that we could do a little bit more about this education process. I think we also, in addition to that, um, I would love to see more uh, work among myself. And I say this, that reasoning of wanting to be doing more education through what the communication means mm-hmm. is to also do more voter understanding of this why you know how you can do a uh, um, an absentee ballot right okay people may say I have a family member who's I door knocking I learned this people who have people in bed rest there's a lot of elders in the city who are now the family members are the caretakers right so they can even leave the house to go do this even on a day of voting because they may have to leave that individual or child behind or take them along or whatever the situation may be and it's understandable but I want to be able to do more work we have to do more work on this um get out to vote I also want to, you know, as one of the agendas for this next uh, year is on the census. The census are so important in our community needs to understand that too, um, Johan, because what's happening is, and I, and I already, you know, I witnessed this in, in the time that I've been here, um, that um, we lost a representative because our census were not enough to demonstrate there was a need of two congressmen being represented in this ward. But they, we were removed, so now we have only one but so but the people that know that the census what it helps us is to determine at the federal level the resources that are going to be channeled down to our communities or our municipalities right and i also worked in my in my 90s working on nueva as a one of the census um, field interviewers took a job aside with them as they were recruiting and they also had a we I, we brought money we got a grant, I'm sorry, to be able to have somebody hosted at our site 
to be the census director out of Nueva at the time, right? And then I applied for a job on the side as a part-time, and I got it, and I was doing some field interview to go after those who didn't turn them in, right? And it's a very important time of this. Back in the days, it wasn't such a concern as much, and people did return them as as the follow-up when repeatedly too many you know people do there's several ways that they'll follow up on this for you know i want to make that clear but i want to say that this time in time um johan as you know the fear tactic that is being used for us as a, a hispanic in particular and you know the reason i'm saying that is because what is being done that um they're they're getting people scared if i do respond to this i may get deported this may be happening so we cannot let that fear tactic take over our communities because we're going to get less resources coming down. We're going to get res- less representative representation. And we really got the, we have to get work done on the census, like a different interview that we can just educate the neighborhood and the communities at large. This is everywhere. This is happening. I'm having conversations with people in other communities, as well as New Jersey, and they're telling me the same thing. And it's particularly in places where some people have to be fearful of why and they you know they they have the the i will say the reasons to feel that but we cannot let them be taken over that fear so that's one that i would love to work on in my next um years also the health disparities uh and i say health disparities i've <laughs> through some door knocking and some people that i've heard and also with a f- a family members myself that are struggling mm-hmm with um, choosing medications over what's my first upfront need. And that is one of the concerns that I have as a community, you know, getting people to know where more resources are available, that options should not be given for you not to, to, to take your insulin today because you cannot afford your insulin, uh, you know, hundred and something dollars on a monthly basis for some. The work also that I speak about, it's because it's hit home. Uh, and I say home, uh, my brother died of AIDS, and I'm not ashamed to say that. It could have been prevented, right, uh, at the time. But it sort of taught me lessons, right? The issues of people being incarcerated, you know, he was a victim of that at the age of 18 and then out of the prison and um, till you know, then prevented it stayed cleared and clean for seven years. Unfortunately, the you know the, the the condition was already taking over, so he he passed. But I've had family members struggling to do. I take my insulin? Do I purchase it? Do I do my groceries this month? And these are not individuals that were not benefited. I mean, you know, uh, public assistance or anything. So they're struggling. You know, they were struggling. Uh, and these are issues that are real critical in our neighborhoods because. We wonder about what poverty means for some people, and some people are survivals. They're survivals in their own ways because whatever comes for me first, it's what I have to take attention of. And I, 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 every day I learn more from the people, so I don't have the answers, so that's what I say. You give me the issue, I'll go try to find the answers. That's what we're all about. That's what a public servant is supposed to be about. And this is why I say I've been doing this work before even being boarded in. So... If my community continues to give me the right to do so, I will be doing so. The other next step that I would love to do, I want to get involved more with supporting our local existing businesses that are here. 
this great that we're supporting the newcomers and that we are actually opening doors, but there's got to be some investment on high street, more of the facades, the looks, the, you know, that's a gateway. I'm glad that main street is getting all the attention because it is another gateway. And, um, it was one of the works that we started being on Esperanza in the eighties and the nineties, even to when I left in 2003, that was already an initiation of trying to lift up the entrance, which was, was the gateway that was called the South Holyoke Shia, the South Holyoke initiative association. And that's what it was about. It was trying to lift up the, 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 the business, uh, in South Holyoke. And there was coalitions and boards that, that would run out of our organization. So anyway, you know, that's some of the platforms that I would love to concentrate on because it, it is, it's, it's, it's visual. You see it. It's nothing that, you know, nobody can say that there isn't an issue there. Uh, I also think that, like I said, this issue that we're concerned, you know, people are concerned about whatever we're seeing that is not looking good on high street and whatnot. It has to do with when a place is deplorable, it brings the attention of, of those who, right, who can take advantage of that. But um, I, I continue to love the city where I was either, if I even had a, 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 a person um, challenging my seat, I would also be open to somebody who really, really were going to give back to our communities. You know what I mean? I mean, because it's only fair to say that somebody wants to run for their social public attention. That's not what I'm there for. I I'm, I don't never like to be the front of the face of anything. Um, I love to be the back, you know, the one in the back seat of something because I still can do the same work regardless of where I stand. But somebody wants to ever um, run for the seat who's going to continue to give to these neighborhoods that need it for all means i'm willing to sit down and talk about it as well i really appreciate this particularly this last statement because it, it talks a lot about the need and i'm going back to some of the initial statements you did about working with youth helping them to develop to grow to become the future leaders so they can come back and take over these positions of, of power and particularly thinking uh, about the people who have been in, in local government for so long and being thankful for that service. But at the same time, it's important to start considering for how long you're going to hold power and at the same time considering training and preparing and mentor the future leaders that we need mm -hmm. because we need them to take over when the time comes to make that, that switch. And sometimes it feels like some of this... Elders are not willing to pass the torch. Mm -hmm. I think that you are looking up on, on that and putting it in your priorities and your perspective on, on the work to do. And at the same time, I want to, yes, uh, support those ideas of helping making the use of Spanish communication with constituents in the whole city, not only World One, of course, mm -hmm. to be there, to be a tool for engagement to help and understand what is happening in public policy yes support also how to be represented and how to be visible through voting being counted properly in the census and everything that could keep this engagement to to keep happening to grow and to continue this communication that sometimes feels so limited when we are in session just witnessing 
some of the discussions not being able to provide that much feedback unless there is two minutes in public comment, which is in itself a barrier because you have to be there physically. And if you have other type of commitments or responsibilities or you have to take care of, of somebody, mm. you cannot be there. For many others, the language barrier is another reason for them not to show up or say something. And for any others, this toxic environment that happens with male-dominant arrogance of some of the members in city council makes many people feel not comfortable and not welcome at all, particularly when we talk about people who were not born and raised in Holyoke, people that came as consequence of many circumstances that brought them here and made them to start contributing to the city, but because they don't belong to this long lineage of race or privilege, apparently they have no opportunity to be heard or seen. That is so, you, how do you say, uh, you hit the nail, how do you say in Spanish, le dices al clavo con el martillo. It's so interesting because, believe it or not, I had thought about probably not running again this this round a year ago. And as I was reaching out in the neighborhood and, you know, my Ward 1, because I got to go to Ward 1 to reach out for the individual. And after some contemplations of people and I did reach out and then after we were looking, it was looking like it was going to happen. You know, I guess they must have had their own, because I said you have to have a serious conversation with your family because your family has to be your backbone of this. And I got to say that it's been of mine. So this is not an easy, you know, role. You know, you see me, I've been, I go to meetings here, meeting there, events, there you don't go. You you get criticized sometimes for going and criticized for not going. So, but that said, I wanted people to be ready for this, you know. And to be honest with you, there was about three people lined up. And this is one of the things that one in particular woman said to me. Do you think after me watching, attending some of these events, the scrutiny that some of you go in there, you get basically assaulted by the way they talk to each other. I want to put myself through that for what? I can do the same thing without being on politics, which is the same explanation I gave you. I was doing this work before I was even appointed. So the headache that I am in, it's... It's worth it because you do have a right higher, you know what I'm saying, and I can bring the voice or the, or the, or the concerns to a body that is responsible for all people in the city, not just particular parts of the city. They are supposed to be responsible for all parts of the city. So that really kind of hit me, like when that woman said that to me, why should I? So this also, what that you just said, that, within our own body, it, you know, this uh, attack or debates that sometimes come so ugly for those who watch it, it also is a tactic to keep us away from running off for office. You got to see? But you know what? With the young people, it's been easier because I'm trying to help them see and these young people are getting strong from the mental state, from the mentoring, from the what is required for them to move forward, Right. And sometimes, you know, the elderly, you know, I, I can understand somebody, I, I, I'm, you know, not elderly because I don't, I don't want to say that, but somebody who's new coming into this because it could be anybody who wants to run. I don't think that should be a limitation of age, right? But what I'm saying is that some people do say, why should I go invest my time on that on this, meaning running for office? But a young person, this is a challenge. For some, it's been a challenge. They love it. They get enthusiastic. They have the energy. 
they're they they have the social savvy they can do so much more than some of us right including myself i'm not the social savvy so i don't get too much of my things that i do out out in the, in in the media because i'm not that savvy and to be honest with you um so but again i, I i'm i'm so I've never been happier than what I've seen. Like I said, I came, I don't know if you know, I came here in 1978 to the city of this town. My daughter's going to be 41, comes November. So I've seen different uh, governance from mayors to, you name it, superintendents to teachers in and teachers out from the whole gamut. So I'm, I think I'm emerged to, to what's happening, and I, I'm hoping that what I, I'm not, that people call me out. And then um, that I can support their request. But I also, like I said, uh, in a process of understanding, process of what this also governance is all about. Because sometimes there's nothing I can do to do a a sidewalk overnight. This doesn't happen. Sometimes they cannot do sidewalks in the winter. They got to wait till the spring. So that sidewalk may be on the list. And people do not understand, yes, it's getting done. Or they're holding it up because there's a project surrounding that neighborhood. Right. For example, the Lyman Terrace in the area. I remember people saying some sidewalks had to repair. We cannot touch the sidewalks until that project is done because it's going to be repaired. And if they do that, they have to do them again. So now they see it, and some of them are coming. Oh, I remember you had told me. So I said, I can't file things that are going. And I, because I will call first, should I file this or should not? No, that's going to be part of the project, right? So things like that. I just want you know us to to also get some. Um, Moments of education like this that I think it will be very beneficial to the people to know how the government, you know, our, our municipalities work. That is very different from what you see on the national level of our news. And following up a little bit on this same thing about uh, involvement and people feeling this opportunity to be involved in the political sphere in the city, what would be your message for women particularly to get involved? Because... Uh, as as we noted when I had a conversation with Rebecca Lisi, right now the representation of women in city council is really far from balance. Mm-hmm. And even though with the possible changes by Jose Valentin leaving, and then if Libby Hernandez wins, then the numbers remain the same. It will be only if through the at-large positions Deborah Loisi should win, then the numbers could start to get a little bit more in the balance. But that is only if. How do we make sure that we get more women involved and feel encouraged and at the same time supported to be representatives of the city in, in local government? Let me uh, let me just give you some information you probably not know, um, Johan, about me. But in um, 2011... I was one of the women selected for the Women in Politics in UMass, Boston, where I went through a fellowship for a year. And that, my charge, you know, what I wrote about my um, work in relations to that, it was about the lack of opportunities or preparation in the western part of Massachusetts, you know, western part of, of the state for women of color to be prepared for any leadership, not necessarily politics, because... Before politics, I served on boards. I had to learn how to sit in a board, uh, be able to speak my mind, how to do, how to attend, how to be responsible, lot reliable in a board, and not just be a, be a token. Because I said, if I'm going to be a token at a board, I'm not going to sit there just because they need a diverse person and a woman of color or whatever. 
I serve in several boards. And at the, re- at, at the level of this particular fellowship, my first proposition of my project would have been developing leaders, young people, right? I changed my, my project to be women of color in lack of uh, resources or training opportunities in the part of Western Mass. Because when I ran for office as a school board, I'm talking about in the time that I ran in 2004. I ran 2003, but ran and got sworn in in 2004. I had no training whatsoever, right? I was charged by the people. I was not knowledgeable about politics whatsoever like that. I don't come from a family member. I don't know. I don't have nobody advising me. Carlos Vega, rest in peace. A group of other people, Maria uh, Figueroa Singletary, a whole bunch of other people, leaders in the community who charged me to do this. I ran for the reason that was, like I said to you, it was affecting the children of this community. My own family was affected, and I want to share why I say this, because I want you to make the connection to the reasons that I'm saying that. In 2002, the vote that was the vote to eliminate bilingual education system in Massachusetts was voted, and people were confused on the question, because I got to make that clear. And we made very little education in the community, and this is why I want to start doing more education about what is the vote on certain times is that the question was set up in a way that people saying yes was saying eliminate it. The no means no, you do not want this to be, you know, eliminated. I, I cannot rephrase the ballot question, but if you look it up, it's there. So people went and voted against by saying yes, because normally everything that is yes is supposed to be positive and everything is no, it's a negative, right? So people went ahead and voted yes towards it and voted against it. When they noticed that they, after the fact that, uh, people were alarmed. What do you mean we lost the vote? We question. We, you know, people are alarmed, calling me, you know, because at the times uh, email probably was not accessible to many people, you know. But we were like calling me, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> many people voted. No, I mean yes, honey. So we lost. What do you mean they're gonna eliminate our Latino teachers and all of that, or Spanish speaking, or anything in relation to this and the school system? It went on, right? Then after that. Immediately after that question, too, comes the Massachusetts Comprehensive Assessment Test System, which is a standard system. My last daughter, MCAS, my last daughter was to graduate in 2003. Who, this group, was the guinea pigs to take that first round of tests, not prepared enough to do the pieces that it was required. Massachusetts alone had hundreds, I'm talking about probably thousands, this is across the state, and Holyoke was one of the biggest numbers. Not only did we see as soon as these students learned that if you don't pass this MCAS comes, 2003, because they, they gave it to them, they were graduating in 2003, they gave it to them that November of 2002, when the same question, right, went about eliminating our teachers, our kids took that first round. They got the first result in January. My daughter was one of them. Learning you may not graduate comes June. She then retests again to get her results in March. She learns she passes one of them. She's still missing to do the one. Once, what does she decide? Give the interest to her classes that she still failed one class because she had no, her heart was not into it no more when she learned in January. So she was very um, defeated in a sense of being challenged on this requirement. This is why I launched to run. But at the same time, 
what I'm explaining is that this is the reasons of, I don't know, reasons for me to, to continue to do the work I do because it's affected, like I said, in my own family. I've seen it happen. And from there, I landed on a, on a it was just, it was like an opportunity that just happened. I had just been, uh, decided to, to step down on Nueva Esperanza because it was, we were facing budget issues and I decided that I would rather take the layoff because I, w- I didn't want to stick around for a part-time job when I know I would give back to community out of full-time. So I, pre- I said, this is my time to refresh my, myself after 14 years being here. I stepped down, moved on to, thought I was going to be laid off and landed to work where I work today, which is Mass Higher Holyoke, which at the time was called Career Point, to work in supporting students who had not passed the MCAS, right? Finding them um, opportunities to, to, to find ways to prepare for the retest or the options or alternatives because the drop the dropout rate started going crazy like right after that. And it's still today, I mean, the MCAS is a standard re- requirement, in, you know, for Massachusetts, but I think the work that our teachers, who I got to give them credit, are doing to prepare our children and our administrations, now it's changing the, the moment that kids are passing. But that's an example of why, you know what I'm saying, that, that it gives me a better reason every time something hits home or hits our neighborhoods, hits our community at large, or regardless, that I have to step in. And that's, you know, that's why you see me involved in many things at times is because somewhere around there it's been hitting home. And I thank you for, for that, Gladys. Yeah, it's true. We, we see each other sometimes a couple of times a day, two or three times a day. And looking like we are following each other. And mm-hmm. that is, yeah, because there are so many things to take care of. And mm-hmm. you are the type of person who doesn't wait for someone else to start doing it. If that doesn't happen, you go ahead and do it yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's the way, you know, it's the way to do it. And I think, like I said, we, con- I've been conditioned by this. You know, my, as you can see, I carry even my mother. She, mm-hmm. my mother lived in a, in a housing complex where it's, when she passed, I was really appalled about the people that came And actually spoke about my mother will make a, a pot of rice and share it with the whole building on a daily basis. I mean, this is like, wow. You know, it was like, so that, that, that area of sharing, caring for the people comes natural. I, I, I don't have to be in no politics, you know, like I said. When people have pulled out papers and have challenged me, people ask me, are you worried? I'm, I'm not worried about it. If people win... It's because people are ready for that change. You know what I mean? Because I'm still going to do the work that I want to do. I'm still going to get involved. That doesn't let you not still be part of a process. And that's where I see I see myself. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to continue to happen. So, How can people get in touch with you for any concerns, questions, comments, engagement? Yes. So my uh, contact uh, or email is counselor G. Lebron with a hyphen. Martinez at Gmail. That's the email that I have. And I have my personal number, which is a 413-335-2455. Gladys, thank you so much for this conversation, for making the time to be here today, and also for all the work, all the work and that commitment that, like you said, it, it shows not only during session in city council, but throughout the different activities and projects and ways of helping the community in Holyoke through your work and your presence. I, I really appreciate, I see that, and I thank you for it. Thank you.
This is our conversation with Gladys Lebron Martinez, City Councilor for World One, looking up to a new term for two more years, given the fact she's running uncontested in this municipal election of 2019. Gladys, muchas gracias. Muchas gracias a ti. With this, we conclude our session of the series New York Know Your Candidates here on Radio Plasma. And this session has been recorded in the New England Media Lab studio inside the Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. Thank you for listening.